Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truthfully, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress and lead you. Where do you want to go? Jesus Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said, Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this is di- that this discipline would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus said, did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everybody. I don't know how your uh, your weekend has been. The cameras uh, uh, already sort of indicated that we might not have had the same experience. 
Some of you might have been doing your own normal weekend stuff, but just aware of crowns and flags and maybe a different TV schedule. Others of us might have dipped into the coronation uh, weekend, perhaps watched the service or the procession, perhaps met up with others celebrating, while others might have had back-to-back coronation celebrations, watched the crowds gather had a party, watched the TV coverage, flown the flags, made the oath, and felt completely wrapped up in it. And I guess a lot of people have experienced the coronation. And I don't know if you did switch on the television to watch the service, you will have heard the, uh, the commentators talking about how many dignitaries and world leaders were there. But there were also people who didn't expect to be, weren't there? You will have also heard about the community champions, the 850 people who were invited. Out of the blue, they received an invite to join and be face-to-face at the ceremony. For most of us, I look around and I include, I think, everybody here, we won't have seen another coronation. I mean, it was 70 years, wasn't it, since the last one. Um, So it's been an exceptional experience. I don't know if you've ever been, you must have been part of planning a big event, a wedding, you know, something that takes lots of organisation, a church picnic, (laughs) a family party. And you'll know the feeling afterwards you know after the after the excitement of the actual event um, after you have been through the do you remember when did you see I liked the bit when and after that you feel absolutely drained do you know do you recognize that feeling that sort of exhaustion the sort of down feeling I wonder whether the king might feel a bit like that next week Um, and presumably quite a lot of the planners as well. There will be those who were caught aware by the the experience that they've had. And for those closest, after that roller coaster of emotions, there will be the readjustment of what the next phase of King Charles' reign looks like, because lots of people close to him will have been really just focused on this for the last few months. Perhaps he'll get back to his normal routine to help that adjustment. I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. There were a variety of people and experiences in the events that happened in Jerusalem over the Passover when Jesus was tried and crucified and raised from the dead. There were those who just happened to be there who had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Those with Jesus who were all in, you could say, and some who didn't have any expectation of meeting Jesus or being part of this thing at all. Simon of Cyrene, who who was asked to carry the cross. The centurion at the foot of the cross. All will have had a different experience, and some came with expectation and some came with no expectation at all. And in these weeks, as we think about the post-resurrection encounters with the risen Jesus, 
That fallout from that period around Passover was continuing and there was a period of readjustment going on for those closest. The disciples we know were confused and frightened, disappointed, grieving and we recognise that place as well. Many of us will have perhaps had the loss of a friendship for some reason or a bereavement perhaps. Life is all different and will never be the same. And yet there are some parts of life that go on. And sometimes in that aftermath of life events that have been emotionally and physically draining, our desire and need to start is to start picking up the threads of our lives that are familiar. And we go back to those routines and activities to lose ourselves and find some comfort. And so today I'm not going to go through the whole of this great passage. You'll be pleased to know, otherwise be here till 10 o'clock. But what I want to do is simply point out three truths that Peter's encounter with Jesus shows us, mostly from the first eight verses about meeting Jesus ourselves. So I'm very glad that Cam did um, the amazing catch of fish part of this service because I think that was the title and I am not going to talk about the amazing catch of fish. (laughs) Um, But perhaps there is work to do on understanding how we catch lots of fish. So um, next slide please, Brian. Going home and getting back to normal. The first few verses of this passage talk about Peter and the disciples going back to Galilee, feeling, and Peter felt that pain of loss, of bereavement, but also the aftermath of that betrayal, his betrayal, having denied Jesus, and that shame that he was holding. Life is continuing, and yet not in any way that he wanted it. But he's gone home, He's gone to the place where he felt himself, back to his roots, and to who he knew he was right in the beginning, a fisherman. And whatever he was over the previous three years, whatever new roles and activities he'd taken on, and whatever that means now, and he hasn't quite worked that out yet, what with Jesus appearing to Mary, to the disciples in the room in Jerusalem, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus had told Mary for them to come back to Galilee where Jesus would meet them. And so he had come. And he was back where he knew who to be. And sometimes we have to go back to basics. Check that we still recognize ourselves, that we haven't taken on extra layers that are not us We may need to strip off the layers of things that are getting in the way of being ourselves, especially when we're dealing with changing circumstances. Sometimes if we take a moment, and, and it's often more than a moment, we find that we have become distracted or concentrated perhaps on the wrong things, or we've just lost sight of where God has been calling us to be. It may not be wrong things, but it may be roles and habits that we have taken on for a season. 
it's freeing to be our true selves, but it's also a, a feeling of a vulnerability sometimes as we let go of those things that surround us. But I wonder, is there anything that we need to let go of, um, as Peter was letting go of some of those things? And sometimes we need to keep on with those things because it is the better way to be a Christian. But I think the first point that I want to make this evening is, is this, that being yourself, the come-as-you-are self, without lots of additional layers, is good enough to meet Jesus. We don't ever have to worry um, that our true selves are not good enough to come into his presence. And Peter was going back to that basic person of who he knew he was. I think one of the striking elements um, of the invitations to the coronation of the community champions was that there was no... They didn't know they were being chosen, if you see what I mean. It wasn't like applying to be on a television show or uh, making a job application. There were no sort of specification that they had to fulfil. They were chosen for who they were and what they were doing. They were chosen for who they were. They were being themselves in the place that they were, they were living. I mean, I bet once it came to the coronation, they did get dressed up. I'm not sure they would have just gone in their normal day-to-day clothes. But they were chosen to attend for who they were. And it's great that the King of England recognises those community champions, but we know that the King of Kings, Jesus, who knows us for the good bits and the less pretty bits, still wants to meet with us and says, come as you are, no dressing up required. And Peter went back to his normal thing, the place where he felt competent, able, an expert even, But that wasn't working out for him either, was it? That night they caught nothing. And sometimes when you think that you're at the rock bottom, it gets even worse. The thought, I can't even do this now, might have passed through his mind. And I think this shows us that sometimes when we're in our place that is comfortable, the place where we think we know what we're doing, Perhaps in our place of expertise, we still need to listen out for extra wisdom, even though actually we might find it very easy to rely on our own resources. And so this next bit of um, of this of this chapter, verses four to six, is you know Jesus is standing on the shore, and he's not recognised, is he? And he says, "Do you have any fish?" And when the answer comes no, he says to put the net down on the right side of the boat. And when I was thinking about this this week, it struck me perhaps for the first time that it's not inevitable that this encounter would have happened. Because this disciple, these disciples had to pay attention to the man on the shore. They were in the boat some way off doing their thing, you know, the thing that they were good at. Um, Probably not wanting to look beyond themselves. 
And the disciples had to answer the man truthfully when he asked, had they any fish? And that's quite hard to admit when you think you're in the place where you know what you're doing. And then they had to be willing to listen and act on the advice, not dismiss it as obviously not correct. Um, So those who are fishermen often say, this is not normally the time for a massive catch of fish. You don't put the net down early in the morning. That's why you go out at night. So the received wisdom was not that this would be a good thing to do. The disciples didn't yet realise they were having an encounter with Jesus. It wasn't easy to listen to the man on the shore. It's not that easy for us either, but Jesus can turn up next to us in the shopping queue or on the bus or in college or school or work. And I think we need to cultivate, cultivate an attitude that allows us to hear and see things, things that we're not expecting perhaps, We need our own thoughts and our plans and our expectations of what we can do to be interruptible. Sometimes, though, we need a nudge because it isn't that easy to look beyond ourselves sometimes. So in verse 7, the disciple whom Jesus said, loved, said, it is the Lord. Sometimes we need people to point out Jesus for us, to draw our attention, to help us put two and two together. And it's a great thing that God provides people around us who do this, who can point him out. The penny drops and we see with different eyes. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the same moment, does it? Just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, who didn't recognize Jesus until after he left them, but were convinced that they had met with him as they remembered their hearts burning within them. So, first point, being in our everyday is good enough, being our everyday self. And the second point is that keeping our eyes and ears open and having a heart and mind that can be adaptable is crucial in seeing Jesus around us. And so as soon as um, Peter recognised that it was the Lord, he jumped into the water, didn't he? It says he put his cloak on and he jumped into the water. And you might say to me, well, that's a very Peter-like thing to do, isn't it? He was always the one who acted quickly, didn't really think about it. But it isn't just Peter who acted quickly or reacted like this when Um, Jesus was met after the resurrection again think about those disciples on the road to Emmaus and we talked about this um, one of the weeks recently didn't we it says if you look back at that passage that those disciples having walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus that day were back on the road that night going back to Jerusalem They didn't stay the night where they expected to stay the night because they knew they had met Jesus. Meeting Jesus caused a reaction. But the actions themselves were not the end part of the story, just what happens next. 
the next slide, please, Brian. We know that Peter was carrying a huge load of pain and sadness. And we sometimes recognize ourselves in the position where we do something that we don't want to do. We do it anyway, perhaps through fear or weakness. And often the outcome of that is we feel weighed down by that experience. We have emotion within us that we can't seem to, to let go of. And Peter, you know, was in that week. He had not had a good time and he was still under that weight. But interestingly, he felt that weight but when he knew it was Jesus on the shore, he didn't go, oh, well, I can't, possibly, I can't possibly meet him. I can't possibly see him face to face. He went to meet him. And he went to meet him because he knew that Jesus loved him. The action to go to Jesus was the next step in that conversation that he had with Jesus after breakfast. And Peter had that 100% reassurance that with all his own character flaws and burdens and the betrayal, that Jesus would welcome him back. And he does that with us too. To make this slightly more light-hearted, some of you will have had the experience of getting married. And sometimes when that happens, someone dear to you takes it upon themselves to share with guests some insights, usually about the bride. And these wedding speeches usually draw attention to perhaps possible flaws and characteristics that makes you you. My father had a range of embarrassing anecdotes that basically said to my new husband, if you keep Sarah warm and well-fed, meet her need for justice and challenge, then she'll be a loyal partner. And those stories were embarrassing, but they were shared in an atmosphere of unconditional love. Nobody expected Mark to be hearing something that he didn't know and would walk out of the reception deciding it was all too much. We were married already, after all. With Jesus, it is a hundredfold, more than a hundredfold that, whatever those flaws and characteristics or betrayals, he will meet with us and restore us. It can be difficult meeting Jesus when we feel like that, but we'll never be turned away. And I suppose I just want to say that meeting Jesus just sometimes starts the ball rolling it doesn't make everything automatically, miraculously better in that moment, every time. But it starts us on the way to a new beginning, just like it started Peter on the way to a new beginning. So I don't know if those meeting the King of England at the coronation events will find it the beginning of a new way of living. 
and being in the world, but that's what meeting Jesus can do. It can change how we see him and how we see ourselves and others. And it sets us up for something else, whatever has gone before. So these are just the things that I want you to remember um, this week. Next slide, please, Brian. Really important, come as you are. You don't have to be somebody you're not or somebody you no longer are to meet Jesus. He takes us as we are without the layers. Meeting Jesus in our normal everyday things is perfectly possible. It doesn't have to be a special weekend or a special place. It doesn't have to be a coronation. It doesn't have to be house party. He's in the kitchen. He's in school. He's in college, in the car, wherever you find yourself. And whatever we bring to Jesus and however we come, our character flaws and burdens, Jesus meets us and brings us back because it's in unconditional love in action. So perhaps ponder those things for yourself this week. But there's one other thing that I'd like to leave you with. We've talked about looking in and thinking about ourselves But there's something really important in this passage about looking out to others. Perhaps we need help from others to see Jesus ourselves. But also we can be the ones who help others see Jesus. I wonder whether there are more times this week when we could speak up to others and say, it is the Lord, it is Jesus. Let's look for those times this week. Amen.